Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of John, chapter 6. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. As we come to John chapter 6, it's a very familiar story. I encourage you to ask God to help you to have fresh eyes for this familiar story. You know, somebody once said, familiarity breeds contempt. And sometimes we can read things in the Bible and we think, oh, we know that. So let's ask God to give us ears and eyes to see what is fresh. Uh, here in John chapter 6, talking about the feeding of the 5,000. If you've been with us in chapter 5, you know the Jewish leaders hated Jesus. They hate him. To them, he is a blasphemer of the worst kind because he claims to be God. To them, Jesus has the unmitigated gall to break their Sabbath rules. In chapter 5, Jesus said, Don't tell me I'm breaking the law of God. I am the law of God. I don't break laws. I make laws. Jesus is saying when you're accusing me of breaking the law, you're accusing God of breaking the law because I am God. Just by show of hands, were you with me in chapter 5? Just like, then you know that, don't you? And then Jesus accused them of not knowing God at all. Look at chapter 5 and verse 39. Look at verse 39. Y'all come on, read verse 39 with me. You search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and these are they which testify of me. In other words, Jesus says you are searching the scriptures, and you think you have eternal life, but you don't have eternal life. You just think you do. And the reason they don't have eternal life is because as you read the scriptures, Jesus is saying, you're missing me. Now, let me tell you, you got a pen, you got a pad. Let me tell you a few things about chapter six before we jump in. The miracle of the feeding of the 5,000 is recorded in all four gospels. John records a little bit different because John is the only one who gives us the discourse on the bread of life. There are similarities in the structure between chapter 5 and chapter 6. Are you listening? Chapter 5, Jesus is in Jerusalem for the feast in the southern part of Israel. He performed the miracle, and that miracle led to a discourse on his deity. Anybody know what the word deity means? God. I don't know why it's just occurring to me that I've been saying deity since John chapter 1, which I think we started John chapter 1 last uh, January 12th, I think. We've been there, and I've been saying deity, and it just occurred to me today, do you know what deity means? Deity means God. So Jesus is giving a discourse in chapter 5 on his 
deity on the fact that he is God. Chapter 6, Jesus is in the area of the Galilee in the northern part of Israel, and Jesus performs a miracle, which is followed by a discourse on his deity. The only difference is chapter 5 takes place in the southern part, and chapter 6 takes place in the northern part or the area of the Galilee. Now listen, as I was preparing uh, yesterday, um, I got to be honest with y'all, and I didn't tell them this first or second, but I got to be honest, yesterday was brutal preparing because it was so nice outside. Wasn't it nice? I'm just keeping it 100. It was so nice outside. I'm studying the Word of God. I'm trying to get in the presence of God, and nature is calling me. And I'm like taking my Bible saying, maybe if I go outside and read, it'll be better. And I'm like, nope, this isn't helping. I feel like I want to drive in my car. I mean, it's just hard. Yesterday was really, really hard. And so a friend texted me. It was like, God knows what you need when you need it. Somebody clap your hands, say amen. God knows what you need when you need it. A friend texted me like right when I was feeling bummed because I couldn't go outside. And they said, um, Uh, Just think about your pastor and praying for you. And I sent back, uh, oh, man, that's perfect timing. I'm just bummed, sad face, you know what I mean, because I want to go outside. And then they sent me back and said, you know, no good work for Christ goes unnoticed. And God got me back on track, and I sent back a smiley face. And uh, I don't know why I told you that. And uh, so I was preparing yesterday, and uh, something occurred to me, something very beautiful, actually, that uh, I had never... Uh, thought about. In John's gospel, listen, there are two creative miracles, or in the gospels, there are two creative miracles of Jesus. One is a turning of water to wine, and you might want to write down, take some notes right here. One is the turning of water to wine, and the other is the feeding of the 5,000. One involved wine, and the other involved bread. The fish are incidental. Interesting. The primary creative acts of Jesus involves bread and wine. Things that make you go, hmm. Bread and wine speak of what? Flesh and blood or what do we do on Wednesday night? Communion. The wine represents the blood that was shed. The bread represents the body that was broken. So in these two creative miracles of Jesus recorded in the Gospels, we see one involves bread, the other involves wine, communion. So in this miracle in our text, not only is Jesus presenting himself as God, but he's presenting himself or deity. Y'all learning something? Or deity... He's presenting himself as the crucified Christ. Now, just in case you think I'm making this up, or just in case you think that I am over-spiritualizing, I want you to fast forward with me to verse 53 of chapter 6. Look at chapter 6 in verse 53. Chapter 6 in verse 53. Looking at verse 53, say I'm looking at it. 
Then Jesus said to them, most assuredly I say unto you, somebody read it with me, most assuredly I say unto you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Jesus is talking about communion there. It's a picture of communion. Now, just a show of hands, who knows what soul food is? Who knows what soul food is, all right? Show of hands, who does not know what soul food is? Show of hands. Who there are actually people who don't know what soul food is. There was a guy last service, I'm shocked. There was a guy last service sitting, man, right where you are. He did not know what soul food was. I asked him, was he from another planet? Soul food, listen, show of hands, who likes soul food? Okay, and for those of you who don't know what it is, keep your hand down, all right, because you don't know whether you like it. Soul food is black-eyed peas, pork chops. I don't need your help. I got this. (laughs) I've been doing this a minute. I don't need your help. What else? No, I'm just going <laughs> Collard greens, pork, write it down. For those of you who don't know it, write it down. Pork chops, fried chicken, fried fish, cornbread, rice gravy, getting hungry. I didn't actually, actually, I, I had the Wikipedia. So if you Google this, I didn't know myself actually. <laughs> if you Wikipedia, you'll see this. So here in chapter 6, listen, especially in the first 15 verses, Jesus teaches us that Jesus is the bread of life and that he is the sole, S-O-L-E, answer to the human heart hunger. Jesus is the sole answer to the hunger of the human heart. So Jesus really is soul food. I've titled this sermon, you guessed it, Soul Food. Now, talking about the feeding of the 5,000, I'm going to give you, get your pen. I'm going to give you five elements that we're going to talk about as it relates to the feeding of the 5,000. And here I want you to write them down. This is what we're going to talk about for, for the, today. Uh, number one, we're going to talk about the multiplied following. We'll find that in verses one through four. And then secondly, we'll talk about missing faith in verses five through nine. And then thirdly, we'll talk about the miraculous feeding in verses 10 through 15. And then we'll talk about the many fragments. You notice they all start with M. Many fragments in verses 12 through 13. And then the Messiah foretold in verse 14 through 15. Five elements talking about the feeding of the 5,000. Y'all, come on, read it with me. You're too quiet for me. Come on, read it with me. Multiply following. It's on the screen, y'all. Come on, read it with me. Multiply following, missing faith, miraculous feeding, many fragments, and Messiah foretold. We'll read John chapter 6, 1 through 15, and then we'll... Come back and chat a little bit. How about that? John chapter 6, saints, we pick up in verse 1. If you're looking at verse 1, I need you to say amen. Amen. After these things, Jesus went over to the Sea of Galilee, 
which is the Sea of Tiberias. And then a great multitude followed him because they saw the signs which he performed on those who were diseased. And Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. Now the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was near. And then Jesus lifted up his eyes and seeing a great multitude coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? But this he said to test him, underline that, for he himself knew what he would do. And Philip answered, he starts calculating, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them that every one of them may have a little, and one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish, but what are these among so many? And then Jesus said, what do you say, saints? Make the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number about how many? 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples and disciples to those who were sitting down, and likewise the fish, as much as they wanted. So, when they were filled, he said to his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. Therefore, they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which were left over by those who had eaten. And then those men, when they had seen the sign that Jesus did, said, this is truly the prophet who has come into the world. Therefore, when Jesus perceived that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he departed again to the mountain by himself alone. Point number one, saying stop right there, the multiplied following in verses one through four. Here in John chapter six, the Romans are ruling the world. After the siege in AD 70, the Sea of Galilee became known as the Sea of Tiberias after the emperor Tiberius. The Sea of Galilee is 13 miles long, seven miles wide, 680 feet below sea level. On a clear day, you can see around the Sea of Galilee. Have you been with us on our trips to Israel? If you've been with us on our trips to Israel, raise your hand. Raise your hand. Okay, that's about five, five, six of y'all. You know then, when we go to Israel, we go out on the boat. Isn't it awesome? And we worship. Isn't it awesome when you go to Israel, now when you read the Bible, it's like totally different. It's like the Bible, like when those pop-up kid books, you know those pop-up books when you open it up, like a house pops out and scares the life out of you, you know what I mean, or a monster or something, and like the Bible just kind of pops out to you when you have gone to Israel, and now you're thinking about the Sea of Galilee, and you're remembering that you can be on the Sea of Galilee, and if you look out of the Sea of Galilee, it's like glass, it's beautiful. And you can see on a clear day all the way around the Sea of Galilee. So Jesus decided to get away with his disciples for a time of rest and after a lot of ministry. And Mark chapter 6, remember this story, y'all, y'all listening? Remember this story is in all four Gospels, so I'm going to try to put them all together for you and kind of paint uh, a nicer picture for you. Uh, Mark chapter 6, verse 32 tells us, so they departed to a desert place or deserted place in a boat by themselves. 
Now, many scholars believe that chapter 5 and chapter 6, between chapter 5 and chapter 6, is approximately six months to a year. So for six months, at least, Jesus has been ministering in Galilee. Mark chapter 4, stay with me, verse 12, through, pardon me, Matthew chapter 4, verse 12, through chapter 12 of Matthew, tell us what Jesus was doing in that area. So this miracle of the feeding of the 5,000 is toward the end of his Galilean ministry, which is one of the reasons why so many people are following him. And by this time, Jesus is famous and has a massive following. So the crowds are massive and Jesus is trying to get away to rest. He gets in the boat to go to the other side. Are y'all getting this? The crowd sees that Jesus got into the boat to go to the other side, and they all together, I don't know how many hundreds of them, they went to the other side too. So by the time Jesus gets to the shore, all those people, the whole town is on the other side waiting for him. He's trying to get away from them, and they keep coming up where he is. If I were Jesus, thank God I ain't God. I would have made them all disappear like you got to go. So by this time, Jesus has been doing ministry. He has a large church. Jesus has been laboring, and there's no rest for the weary. The crowds are constantly pressuring him and demanding things and needing something, and Jesus needs to get away and take at least a staycation, which is a good thing. So much needed to rest. I hate it when I read the Bible and it like, like, when I read the Bible, it's convicting. Jesus needs to rest. Ministers need to rest. Warren Wearsby said, our only choices are you will come apart with Jesus or you will come apart. Isn't that true? You will come apart or you will come apart. That's very true. So between, now listen, between chapters 5 and 6, Jesus has also gotten some bad news. What's the bad news? The bad news is John the Baptist has been beheaded. John the Baptist or John the prophet, you know, the prophet that the prophets prophesied about, John is dead. Jesus loved John and John loved Jesus. So not only is Jesus tired from ministry, but his heart is heavy and grieving because cousin John is dead. So Jesus is weary from the ministry and his disciples' hearts are broken, so they need to get away and rest. Notice in verse 2. So Jesus is trying to get away. Verse 2 tells us, are you looking at verse 2? Tells us the multitude followed him because they saw the miracles that he did on those who were diseased. Now, wouldn't it be lovely if the Bible said they followed Jesus because they loved him? Wouldn't it be lovely if the Bible said they followed Jesus because they wanted to repent? Wouldn't it be lovely if the Bible said they followed Jesus because he was the son of God? The Bible says they followed Jesus because they were thrill seekers. They followed Jesus to see the things that he did. And these are the same people, keep in mind, that are later going to be saying, crucify him, crucify him. Notice these people, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. They loved the miracles but hated his word. They loved the miracles but hated his word. After giving them a long discourse on who he was, look at verse 66 in chapter 6. Verse 66 In chapter 6, and you can see that chapter 6 is really long, isn't it? 
We're going to be in chapter 6 to December. I'm telling you, it's super long. It's really super, super long. But look at verse 66. It tells us that many of those following him went back and they walk with him no more. There are people today, listen, who love his miracles, but they don't want to hear his word. Am I right about it? People love the miracles. They love the signs. They love the wonders. They love the hype of church. But they don't love his word. I remember one time I went to a church some time ago, and it was a church in Virginia. I'm not going to tell you where it was, but it was in Virginia. And uh, this church, I will never forget this, this church was just wacky. This church was wacky. I mean, I'm trying to figure out a nice way to say it, but there's no other way to say it. The church was just wacky. They had dancers all at one time, by the way. They had praise dancers who had white garments. They had waving flags. They had streamers. They had people running throughout the audience, coming up front, laying down and coming like this. They had the big chair on the, on the stage. Y'all know the big chair? You know, I told you about the big chair. And I was sitting in the big chair, and the big chair was so big, my feet were like dangling on the, you know. So I'm sitting in the big chair, and my feet are dangling. I'm looking at this church. It's wacky. And people are running around dancing and the praise dancers, woo, 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 And they're all going around and dancing and they're coming up on the stage and swinging around the big chair. And I'm like, oh, wow, this is wacky, man. And people are speaking in tongues, says the Lord, and I'm like, oh, this is wacky. But I'm thinking, you know what, hey, you know what? They're kind of, you know, they're into the worship stuff, and I'm really not into all that, but that's just fine. I'll just keep sitting in this big chair and dangling my legs, and I'll wait, and I'll wait until it's my turn to get up, and surely I'm going to wow them with a word. Surely if they're this excited about worship, and they're this excited about the things of God, man, when I preach, they are going, amen me, I'm going to preach my heart out, I'm going to bless these people, and I'm going to bless myself. I just knew it. I got up to preach the word, and man, the people were looking at me like I had six heads. They looked at me like I didn't know what I was, what I was talking about, and I'll never forget it. I was teaching a sermon, uh, Surrender Plus Sacrifice Equals Worship, from Genesis chapter 22. I'm telling you, that was a good sermon. I know it was good. I preached it. It was good. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, two people. I love you, too. I'm telling you, I preach my heart out. I'll never forget. I will never forget. Surrender plus sacrifice equals worship from Genesis 22 when Abraham was offering up Isaac, and I am preaching my heart out. Then people are sitting in there looking at me like I got six heads. And to me, that's not making sense because you're so much into worship. You're so much into the signs and the wonders and the miracles, and you're speaking in tongues and waving the flags and with the streamers around and people, uh, I was going to say white people, but they were people in white clothing were running around and they were white people. And they were, <laughs> they were running around and dancing and caring. I thought, surely they're going to really love the word. And they couldn't tolerate the word. I could tell. I thank God I go to a church and then I pastor a church that we don't need all that. We need all of this. <laughs> I'm going to tell you something. Uh, to a degree, 
uh, some of that is good of people who are or are into the sermon who say amen, who who say you know you know amen, and that's a blessing, and and who there's some interaction. Now, if there's too much interaction, well then it's it's too much interaction, and we have to throw you out. But but I'm but I mean but appropriate, you know, because it lets the pastor know that. That, that he's blessing them and that they're listening and that, that I'm getting something out of it and some of that's good. None of that was in this church. They were sitting there looking like they died, like they were just the living dead, like just like. And I'm like, Abraham and Isaac, and just as the knife was coming up and the thorn, the thicket, and the, I'm demonstrative, and they were like, I'm like, what's wrong with you people? You need coffee? Because they couldn't tolerate the word. I thank God we don't have all that here at Calvary Chapel. No light show, no dancing bears. There ain't nobody running around in white clothing. There's no smoke coming up on the stage. I'm not coming up out of the floor like, You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.